Good evening, everyone. My Bible's open to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to start every lesson in this series in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. That's our theme verse. That's what we're building on. That's what we're working with. We're going to start there every single time. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. You'll find as I'm preaching that I'm really insistent that you look in your own Bible, get a Bible open, get a text open, pull a pew Bible out, get something up on your phone, slide over next to somebody, elbow them and say, share, and let's look in the Word of God together. I want you to know I'm tremendously energized to be with you tonight. Great crowd have really great memories, been to Phoenix one other time in my life and remembered it being just beautiful. We flew in today and that plane took that big banking turn and these jagged mountains and the sun shining on them and I thought, wow, I'm back in Phoenix and it's great to see so many good brethren here tonight. I want you to know though, I want you to know exactly why I'm here. I'm here because Brother Sean Jeffries called me. Sean talked to me about this congregation, about the disciples here, your zeal for the Lord, the plan of work the shepherds have here, all the good things that are going on as you follow Jesus the Christ. Asked me, hey, you want to come and be a part of that? How? How can you say no to that? Didn't really have a slot. Got done with that call. Thought, man, I got to go. I need to see what's going on. Monte Verde Church, I want to be there and be part of the good things God is doing here in you and through you. So what that means is, if this meeting goes well, going to give God the glory. If this meeting goes bad, Sean, you on the hook. That's it, okay? It'd just be completely and totally your fault. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be in the Word of God. Let's work together. Ephesians 4, verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. I'm not sure where you are in your Christianity, but it seems in many ways life has gotten to be more complicated, more complex. More is being asked of us all the time, and there's new and additional temptations being thrown at us. There's more hostility towards our faith. Lots of things are going on. What's the answer to that? What should we be doing about that? I think the answer to that is we need to grow. We need to grow stronger, better discipleship. We want to grow a more rigorous faith. We want to be able to do more, but more than just doing more, we want to be more. We want to have the Spirit of Christ. We want to have the character of our Lord. And so I have come to talk with you this weekend about the kind of things that will help us directly grow so that we can be the kind of disciples that we want to be. And here's our plan of attack. We're going to talk about hope this evening. Tomorrow night, in some ways, one of the most important lessons in this entire series. If you struggled with reading the Bible, you know how that is. You start in January and you're all gung-ho for it. By the time they kick off the Super Bowl, you're 9,000 chapters behind. And you're like, well, I'll just do that next year. Talk about how to do that and keep doing it and get through it and make it meaningful in your life. Sunday morning, we're going to talk about evangelism in a way that everybody can be involved as we grow in our evangelistic efforts. We're going to talk a little bit about what it is when life is not going well. In the Bible class hour Sunday morning, Lord willing, I want to talk about growing during times of adversity. And then maybe, like I said, maybe we're troubled and we're anxious. A lot of things are happening in this world and we just have some worries and we have some anxieties, maybe some depression going on. If we examine the life of Paul 
He just has an incredible ability to bring peace of mind to his circumstances. And as we study that and look at that, we can grow in peace of mind. We put all that together, and I actually believe you attend these services, you bring your Bible, you open your heart to the Word of God, and in the next three days, something very important can happen in your life. Your discipleship can be ratcheted up a level, maybe two levels. It won't be just another gospel meeting. You'll circle this and say, I was in the Word of God and God's Word was in me and it made a change in my walk with the Lord. I grew that weekend. That's what we're all about. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about. We're going to speak the truth in love so that we can grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Jesus the Christ. He's the one that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's what I've come to do, and I'm excited to see you here this evening. Maybe the place for us to begin as we think a little bit about hope is to just think a little bit about a world's fair. Now there's a reason I put that slide up. The reason I put that slide up is because if you are, if you are younger than 40, you've never had a chance to go to a World's Fair. The last time we had a World's Fair in the United States was in 1982. This is a slide here to show some of the things. Where is my slide? Well, let's try this side. This is a slide of the Seattle World's Fair and it's just a really good illustration of what goes on at a World's Fair. In 1962, Seattle hosted all kinds of pavilions full of every kind of technological innovation, new inventions, new power sources, all kinds of new ideas. And the feeling was things are pointing up. In fact, the Seattle Space Needle personified that. Things are getting better. We're making progress as we move into the future. In fact, I jotted down a quote from a U.S. president who said these kinds of fairs and expositions are timekeepers of progress. They record the world's advancement. I wonder, I wonder if that's why we haven't had one of these in the last 40 years. Because in many ways, we're lacking that feeling of hope for a better future. Things are going to get better and we're going to put that on display and we're going to have optimism about how good our future looks. So many things, the future looks good. Mark, have you, have you listened to the news? You click on any of the news.coms? Have, have you watched any of the news channels? There's a war going on in the Gaza Strip. We've got all kinds of inflation. There's another war going on in, Ukraine, in the Ukraine. We have terrorism. We've got cyberbullying. What are you talking about? Hope for the future. The future's never looked bleaker. Isn't that how a lot of people feel today? In fact, it's affecting all of us, starting with our young people. A CDC study found that from 2009 to 2021, the share of American high school students who say they have persistent feelings of hopelessness rose from 26% to 44%. Almost half of our high school students say they have persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. It's not just students. Research done at Boston University showed that the elevated rate of depression that began in 2021 has worsened. Even though the pandemic is over, that rate has climbed to 32.8%. One in three Americans are believed to be struggling with depression issues. One mental health expert even said, the feeling is that now things are awful, Nothing can be done, nothing will change, and nothing will help it. That's the definition of hopelessness, isn't it? 
But I'm here to talk with you this evening about growing in hope because I believe in gospel-centered, helmet of salvation, Christ-given hope. I believe Christians have a hope that puts that bounce in our step and that optimism in the future, and we need to share that hope. But if we're going to do that, we have to have that hope first. So this evening, I want to think about hope. And here's our game plan. We're going to get our Bibles, and I'm just going to stack some scriptures so that you can see how central hope is to discipleship. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the wrong kind of hopes to grow and why so many people today have hopelessness. Along the way, I'll give you the secret why a lot of Christians aren't real locked in on hope. And then... I will give you some strategies, three powerful ways to build more hope in your life. My hope is that this sermon will be done by Tuesday. (laughs) Kind of thinking maybe you brought a lunch or something, didn't you? We'll see if we can be timely and work with all of that, but we need to start by getting in the Word of God. Let's think about how hope is central to discipleship. That starts in 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, just going to work with the Word of God so that we see the overwhelming force of Scripture telling us about hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1, this is verse 3. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable and undefiled and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. Now turn your Bible to Romans 15 with me, please. Let's look at Romans 15 and see what Paul says there about hope. In Romans 15 and verse 4, There Paul says this, Romans 15 and 4, Whatever was written, Romans 15 and 4, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. He's talking about your Bible, isn't he? He's talking about the Old Testament. That was written so that we'd have encouragement and endurance of the Scriptures. Through that, we might have hope. That's one of the purposes of Scripture, to grow hope in your life. So think further with me in the Word of God. Let's just look over in Romans again in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, even when persecution's going on, Christians in Rome uncertain of their future, Paul tells them we need to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. And I'll say something here about rejoicing in hope because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there Paul says this, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13, what about when a brother or sister in Christ passes away? And we miss them and there's a hole in our heart. Do we cry about that? The answer is yes we do. But there's a different kind of sorrow. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Hope changes how you go to the funeral home. Hope changes who we are. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul tells us that hope makes us bold. In 2 Corinthians 3, in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12, since we have this hope, 2 Corinthians 3 and 12, we are 
very bold. And I'll just give you one more passage. Look at Romans 15 with me, please. In Romans 15 and verse 13. I love this verse. In Romans 15 and verse 13. There may the God of hope, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. There's it. That's it. That's what we're looking for. I don't want an eyedropper full of hope. I want to grow so that I am abounding in hope. Let me just give you one more passage in this connection. In Hebrews, please, let's get maybe the greatest passage on hope in the Bible. In Hebrews, the sixth chapter. In Hebrews chapter 6, let's try Hebrews 6, verse 18 and 19. Here the Hebrew writer says, in Hebrews 6 and verse 18, by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. You ever feel like you're in a storm? Ever feel like the world around you is just in turmoil and you're being blown all about? Would you like? Would you like an anchor that'll hold you in everything that's going on? Guess what hope does? Hope anchors us. It is, the Hebrew writer says, the anchor of the soul, verse 19. How powerful is that? See how important hope really is? Now that's just touching the hem of the garment. But I really want to run everything that we think about through this idea in Hebrews 6 and through these other passages that we've seen to talk about anchoring ourselves with hope, growing in hope, abounding in hope, a hope that changes us, changes our outlook on life, changes how we respond to the problems and difficulties of life because we have a hope that is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Now as I'm thinking about all that though, it is extremely important that we grow the right kind of hope. And a big piece of that is knowing what hope is. What is hope? Hope is hope's that expectation that tomorrow's going to be better. That's what hope is. Hope is the future will be improved. And maybe in some ways a good test for what your hope is. Sean, I gesture like this. Can you get the screen moved over? That would really work. I don't know if I can gesture like that with my right hand. I have to work on this. Because of blank, I will be okay someday. That's a great test of hope. What are you putting in that blank? What are you hoping in? What are you growing in your life that you can hold on to? This is my anchor. This is what I want to abound in. This is the hope that I need. What you're filling in the blank with? Think about that. That's a real challenge. Now, what about pagans? What about people out in the world? What are they putting in the blank? It's not a trick question. They're putting in the blank money. Money. Most people think if I just had enough money, I would have financial, say it with me, security. See? Tomorrow will be better if I have more money because I can insulate myself from the problems and I can do this and I can do that. I need money. Maybe the other thing that a lot of people are thinking about, particularly our young people, is fame. Celebrity. If I can be a social media influencer, 
thousands of people subscribing to my YouTube channel, everybody watching my TikToks. Man, you can monetize that and make all kinds of money. There you go. Putting money and fame together, that's my hope. I will be okay if I could get that working in my life. I understand that's where people are, but I want you to turn your Bible to Psalm 20 with me. In Psalm 20, I want us to think about false hopes. In the 20th Psalm, the psalmist says this. In Psalm chapter 20, in Psalm chapter 20, look at verse 7. In Psalm chapter 20 and verse 7, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. There's some things people are hoping in. We're different than that. Why don't we hope in chariots and horses? They collapse, Psalm 20 verse 8, and fall. We rise and stand up. Right. Want us to think about filling in the blanks with money, filling in the blanks with fame. Can you anchor to that? Is that really strong? That's going to hold you up no matter what? Come on, we know better than that. Recession, stock market crash, unemployment, layoffs, embezzlement, all kinds of things happen to people all the time that take their money away from them. And what about celebrity and fame? Yes. For some people, a very small number of people, maybe they can hold on to celebrity and fame, but that too is very transient. Tell me, tell me, who won the Heisman Trophy 10 years ago? Who won the Best Actor Oscar 10 years ago? See, at that moment they were celebrated. They were on top of the world. They had all the fame. Everybody was looking at them. Now we don't even know their names. And how often have you said, maybe to your kids, hey, you ought to listen to this band. This is great. They, they were so famous when we were kids. Everybody listened to their music. Now your kids look at you like, I've never even heard of them. These are not something that we can anchor to. These are false hopes because they can be taken away from us. And I expect that as Christians, when I start running out hoping in money, hoping in fame, everybody's like, oh, no, no, we don't want to be doing that. But sometimes even Christians can struggle to put the right thing in the blank. For example, Christians might think about friends. Great to have friends. Friends will help me be okay. And friends are and can be a blessing from God. But you know, Jesus had 12 friends. One of them sold him out to the cops and the other 11 ran away. Someone says, well, what about my family? Because I've got family. My family's great. We always help each other out. Family is a blessing from God, but the family's not permanent. Family's not permanent. One of the hardest things in my life right now. Both of my parents are living. But I looked at my mama's face the other day and I realized she's not getting any younger. I'm getting to that place where I'm having to start to think a little bit about there's going to come a day when I want to go drink a cup of coffee with my mama and I'm not going to be able to do that. That's hard. Because family's not permanent. So we think about friends. Maybe we think about family. Are those things things that we can hope in? Some people are going to hope in technology got iPads and screens and cell phones and all Really? Because we've got an app, tomorrow's going to be okay? You ever notice that your cell phone can run out of battery? You're going to put your hope in something that if you don't plug it in the wall every 12 hours, it's not going to be there anymore? There's just a lot of things that go in those blanks that aren't going to fit. Let me show you a passage in Matthew. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this in verse 19. In Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, 
Jesus says, Matthew 6 and verse 19, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. Why don't, why don't we believe Jesus? Why do we keep chasing after false hopes? And after we've been through a global pandemic that devastated so many lives, and that caused so many plans to go down the drain. People's economic circumstances were altered. People's health, long-term health was altered. All kinds of things happened. How can we so quickly have forgotten how quickly everything changed? We're really going to anchor to something that can be taken in a pandemic or that can be taken in a depression or taken if there's a revolution. We've got to do better than that. We don't want false hopes. We don't want to grow something that can't really sustain us, that can't be strong no matter what the storms of life bring to us. So what should we put in that blank? What should we be growing? Well, let's try Ephesians, please. I'm sorry, Colossians. I need Colossians 1, please. In Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 5, maybe one of the reasons... So many people today are hopeless and are experiencing feelings of hopelessness is because all the things that they are trying to build into their lives, like money or fame or friends or family or technology, all of those things ultimately do disappoint. And there's that uneasy feeling that this could be taken away. This could vanish. If this happened or that world event occurred or this change in political situations, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have any hope. But Christians are different. Think about this in terms of evangelism. Look at Colossians 1 and 5. There Paul says to the Colossian brethren, I've heard Colossians 1 and 4 of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. That's it right there. That's what Christians are hoping in. We're hoping in eternal life with God. We're hoping to be with the Lord. Let me ask you, can that be taken away from you? What if everybody's mean to you at school? They're all bullying you. That take away your hope? What if there's a big economic downturn? Everybody gets laid off. Take away your hope of heaven? What if there's another pandemic? Take away your... See? That's real, isn't it? And it's not something that's out of your reach. I love talking to young people who say, I'm going to be famous. Are you? You and 50 million other young people all shooting for that. Not everybody's going to get there. Not everybody's going to get there. What about heaven? Can you get there? Answer, yes, you can. Absolutely attainable. Absolutely real. Absolutely an anchor. Absolutely an anchor of the soul when we have the hope of heaven growing in our lives. Look over in the book of Titus with me, please. Let's think about this from Titus. In Titus chapter 1, in Titus chapter 1, Look with me in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In Titus, this idea of hope appears regularly. Paul says in Titus 1 and verse 2 that I'm writing to you about the truth, verse 1, which accords with godliness. Now Titus 1 and 2, in the hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. How great is that? God has promised this. Anybody can promise you anything. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. But when God promises something, look across the page at chapter 2. 
In chapter 2, we get this beautiful expression about grace in verse 11. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And that grace trains us, Titus 2.12, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. What are we doing as we're living those lives? We are, Titus 2.13, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There it is. That's what we're all about. Do you know what? There was a word there that may trip us up. Do you see what he said? We are. What are we doing? We are waiting for our blessed hope. Are you good at that? Waiting's hard. Go down to the Department of Motor Vehicles. You've got to renew your license. The line stretches from here to Tucson. What are you thinking? I'm coming back another day. Go to Disney World. You want to get on Space Mountain? Line wraps around Space Mountain three times, goes all the way out to Tampa. You're like, oh, we're here on the wrong day. I don't want to wait. Now Titus 2.13 says, we've got this great thing for us, but we just got to wait. Mark, I thought you said that hope is about what's going to make tomorrow better. Heaven isn't, heaven isn't tomorrow, is it? And of course the reality is probably not. Probably not. As we evaluate life, you look at how long people are living today, average lifespan going up, up, up. People living longer all the time. And it doesn't matter how old you are right now. Nobody really thinks, tomorrow I'm going to go see the Lord. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you got like 150 candles on your birthday cake. You're thinking, well, I'm probably a little bit past where I should be on the odometer. But the rest of us, what are we thinking? thinking we got some time. So we're in that whole waiting thing. So Mark, how much good is this hope business if what we're hoping for is so far away? How does that help us? How does that anchor us? How can I grow that kind of hope in my life? Well, preachers know what you're thinking. We know that this is where people are. What are we going to do about that? Well, we just tell stories about people who died very unexpectedly and very suddenly. Here's a young person, got in their car, got run over on the freeway. Here's somebody died of some really weird disease. It's like 18 syllables. You can't even pronounce it. Here's somebody got trampled by a llama. Who even saw that coming? Those llamas, you got to watch them, you know. Just, oh, it's just awful. Look at this. You could die at any time. And, of course, the reality is, yeah, maybe that's true. And there is something to be to being ready to meet the Lord at any moment, especially since the Lord could come, and that could happen at any time. But the reality is, and as we live our lives as disciples, the expectation is pretty good chance we're going to see the sun in the morning. And I need to be ready for that, and I need to live to honor Jesus Christ as that sun comes up tomorrow, tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after. If the Lord wills, I've got to keep serving Him, and I need hope to do that, but it sounds like... Sounds like hope's a long way off. How am I going to do that? How am I going to have the value of hope in my life right now if this is only something that's way down the line when I finally die and pass away? I wonder sometimes if maybe that's why young Christians quit. Because heaven just seems like it's, oh, way far away. One time I was driving a bunch of kids to devotional, a bunch of our teenagers to devotional. And they were talking in the back of the car. They're not paying any attention to the guy driving. You know, the kids are just chatting away. And a kid, I heard this kid say, man, I hope, he's like 14 years old, he said, man, I hope I live to be really old, like 30. 
Man, I stopped the car, threw that kid out, get out. 30. Is that why, is that why young people quit? Because I just can't grow that kind of hope right now. I'm just going to do other things. And then when I get old, maybe I'll see about that heaven thing. Then when I get closer to that, this is where so many Christians stumble because we don't understand Christian hope. We don't understand that the hope of Christianity is not all about something that's going to happen way at the end of our lives. The hope of Christianity is right now. Can I show you this? In the book of Ephesians, please. In the book of Ephesians, I'm sorry, it's the book of Philippians. I will get to Ephesians. In Philippians, please. In Philippians, the second chapter. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 11. In Philippians chapter 2, here Paul talks in this amazing chapter about all that comes because Jesus made himself a servant. And as a result of that, a day will arrive, verse 11, when every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What are we doing about that right now? What are we doing while we wait for that final amazing day? Now, verse 12, For therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We read that passage a lot. You need to be working your salvation, man. You need to be doing some things. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That's exactly what that means. But sometimes we don't read the very next verse. What's the next verse say? The next verse says, It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. We're not solo in this project. We're not down here on our own. God is doing something right now. And that idea appears in the book of Hebrews, for example, in Hebrews the 13th chapter. In Hebrews the 13th chapter, the Hebrew writer concludes Hebrews by saying this. In Hebrews the 13th chapter and in verse 20. In Hebrews the 13th chapter and verse 20, the Hebrew writer says, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do His will working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See what he said? He does not say Christianity is something where you're miserable for a really long time and then at the end you get the goodies. If you can just trudge through life and hold on, at the end it's just going to be amazing. No, he says something's happening right now. God is working in us. Philippians 2 tells us. God is, Hebrews 12, equipping you, verse 21, to do His will. He is working in us. What the Bible is teaching us is that God is at work now. He is shaping and molding and changing and yes, growing you and me so that we will reach that far off distant goal of heaven. To get to heaven then we need something right now, which means Christianity is not all future. It's not all pie in the sky by and by. No, Christianity is much more than future. It is an anchor right now because our hope is tomorrow will be better because God is working in me today. That is our hope. And that is what I would call present tense Christianity. So many people are living Christianity in the future tense. Christianity is happening right now as God works in you. 
changing, modifying, growing so that we are better equipped to honor and glorify Him, better equipped to cope with this mean old world, better equipped to handle the temptations the devil throws at us. We are different tomorrow because God is at work today. In fact, now I get the Ephesians passage in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. There in Ephesians 2. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. There Paul says that we've been saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8. That's not the result of works. Verse 9, so that we're bragging on ourselves. No, no. Now Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul loves that expression, walk. uses it more than 25 times. And that has the idea of a journey that goes to a specific destination. And so our destination is salvation. Our destination is heaven. But we're not just twiddling our thumbs while we're waiting to die. No, we are going somewhere and God is working in us so that we can what? Walk in these works which God prepared beforehand. We don't just get saved and then God directly takes us to heaven right out of the baptistry. No, we have a lot of work to do here for Him. We have a lot of changes we need to do in our lives. We have a lot of things that we want to walk in as we are headed towards heaven. And the hope of Christianity is not just what's going to happen when I die. The hope of Christianity is that God is walking with me now. That's what this is about. That's the kind of gospel-centered hope that we want to grow. I can count on God to grow my faith, to grow me stronger, to change me, to help me so that I will get to heaven. Tomorrow will be a better day because of the action of God in my life now. I follow a Twitter account, and every day the guy tweets, Christian, you're one day closer to heaven. He's exactly right. And that is a hope that is unique to Christianity. Only that kind of hope can anchor us. We are one day closer to heaven. And the great thing about that is God is working in us so that we will get there. Which is to say then that Christianity's hope is real, it's meaningful, it is attainable, and it makes every single day important and genuine as God works in us so that we someday will come home to Him. That doesn't mean, don't misunderstand me, that doesn't mean we always understand everything that God's doing. I don't think Joseph understood everything that was happening when he got sold into slavery. I'm not sure that Esther understood everything that was happening when she realized she had to risk her life and go see that king. There's a lot of things that happen in life we're not sure of, but what are we certain of? God is at work. Whatever's going on, God is helping me, strengthening me, giving me the ability to cope with it, to come through it, to come over it, to go under it, to learn from it, to be better through it, so that I will go someday and be with Him. But if I'm going to get there then, I need the work of God right now. That, that's an anchor. That's real hope. We need to grow more of that kind of hope. I would say in stark contrast to that, 
the idea that life is nothing but a series of random coincidences and that human beings arrive on this planet as a result of molecules colliding into each other from goo to you via the zoo, that is a hopeless viewpoint that makes life completely meaningless. There is no destination and there isn't anything important happening today. Look how different the Christian's hope really is. So, how do we grow that kind of hope? I would say this. We already have. Just looking in the Word of God and seeing that God is interested in you and that God wants to bring you home to Him and that He is at work in your life. Feel that hope welling up. See, already we're growing hope. Let me give you some strategies, though, that will help even further some of that. First and foremost, there are those in this world who just seem to make it their mission to destroy hope. The wet blankets of the world, you know the kind of people I'm talking about? In the book of Numbers, if you look with me in Numbers 13, if you look with me in Numbers the 13th chapter, the people of Israel came to the edge of the land of Canaan. They were on a journey. God was at work. Sound familiar? They got to the edge of the land of Canaan, and in Numbers the 13th chapter, the Lord said in verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses, said, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. Twelve men went to spy out the land of Canaan. What happened when they got back? The men, after Caleb and Joshua said, This is going to be amazing. God is at work. God's going to give us this land. Get ready, it's going to be tremendous. No, Numbers 13, 31, the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able. We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. They brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that spied out. They said, The land through which we've gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. We can't do it. What's the result of that? Numbers 14, verse 1, what it ought to say is, And the congregation said, You bunch of faithless people. You are killing our hope. You don't trust in God. Get out of our sight. You're lucky we're not stoning you. No. Numbers 14, verse 1, All the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said, We wish we'd died in the land of Egypt. We wish we'd died in the wilderness. Ten men sank the hopes of two and a half million people. How is that even possible? It seems somehow that pessimism and we can't do it and it'll never work just is contagious. And when somebody starts with we can't and it won't and you shouldn't and it never will work out, what happens to our hope? What happens to our trust that God is working in our lives? It can go down the drain. And a lot of that, can I be clear, a lot of that gets funneled to us through our media choices through the 10 o'clock news and through the stuff that we click on on our phone and on our laptop. The media loves to tell us the world is coming to an end. It's awfully terrible. Did you hear about this scary thing? Did you know this person got trampled by a llama? Llamas, they're the worst. There's just all kinds of things going on in our media and all of it causes us to believe it doesn't do any good. It's never going to work. I, oh, my life is going to be meaningless and I'm going to suffer and it's never... What's the answer to that? The answer to it for a lot of us is we need to put our phones down. We need to click the television off. 
We need to quit clicking on the clickbait headlines that bait us into seeing another bad thing that's happened somewhere on the other side of the world which we have no impact on and truthfully has no impact on us. I don't know what they're going to do in the Gaza Strip. But you know what? I can't do anything about that. I'm not in charge of that. They didn't ask me about it and they're not going to ask me about it. Guess what? God will just have to take care of that tomorrow. I'm not going to be on that one. And there's a whole lot of other things that we get real exercised about. Global warming and this issue and that issue. And many times those issues are far outside of our control and they distract us from growing real hope in the Lord. Seeing what God is doing in my life to draw me closer to Him. We're distracted from looking at that as we look at all these things that we can't do anything about. In fact, if you want more hope, what you need to do is you need to start talking about what God's doing. You just need to start talking about what God is doing. One of my favorite places in Scripture is 1 Samuel 17. This is the account of David and the Philistine bully. And in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, Goliath tells Samuel, You are toast. You have no chance whatsoever. In 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, Read with me there that the story of David and Goliath. The Philistine said in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 43, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Then the Philistine said to David, I give you this for free. People get really exercised about how important Goliath was. You ever noticed in the text, he's not even named most of the time. He's just called the Philistine. He's not that important. What is important is that he said to David, Come to me, verse 44, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? Do you hear it? God's at work here, pal. God's fixing to do something, Mr. Philistine. God is at work. Listen to the power of that hope. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. The battle is the Lord's. He'll give you into our hand. David can't stop talking about his hope. And his hope is that God is at work. God will save. God will deliver. God is going to do something. Look what happens. When the Philistine arose, verse 48, and came to draw near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead. He fell on his face into the ground. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, struck the Philistine, and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew out of its sheath and killed him and cut his head off. Now watch this. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines. They heard David. They heard what he said about God. And they saw him step out in faith. They saw his hope that God would work. You can just see as David is running towards Goliath, every man in that army is starting to buckle on his sword and say, That's right! 
That's right. God is on our side. Let's do this. David leads them. He shares his hope and that fills everyone else with similar hope so that they can too serve the Lord and God can work in and through them. In fact, in 1 Peter 3, in 1 Peter the 3rd chapter and verse 15, in 1 Peter the 3rd chapter and verse 15, we start talking about evangelism. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 says that we need to be ready. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 we need to be ready in our hearts. We need to honor Christ the Lord as holy, ready always to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I think it's absolutely important for us to be able to say some things about why we don't have instrumental music or what we believe the New Testament pattern for the church is, what Bible authority is all about. 1 Peter 3.15 doesn't actually say that's what we're talking about most of the time. Mostus is not a word, but it should be. What should we be talking about mostest of the time? Sharing the hope that's within you. In this hopeless age, why aren't Christians telling more people where hope can be found? Which brings me to that third, and maybe in some ways most important part of building more hope, and that is we need to read our Bibles. That's that Romans 15:4 passage that we read. What's the purpose of Scripture? to give us instruction and encouragement that we might have hope. I'm going to talk about that. Sean, you haven't moved the screen yet? Still gesturing to the wrong side. We're going to talk about that a whole lot tomorrow night and give you some very practical strategies that will help you in your daily Bible reading to stay with it because it's meaningful and because it's growing you. It's growing you in hope. Now let me just share with you a final observation or two as we think about growing more hope. In the summer of 2022, Dean and I got to go on an amazing trip. We took uh, about 75 Christians on a really cool cruise and had a ton of fun over in the British Isles. Part of that cruise, we went to Cork, Ireland, and we took a bus tour. And the guy was driving us all over Cork, Ireland. It's a really neat city in Ireland. Lots of cool things going on. And as we were driving along in Ireland, he said, Hey, look out to your right. And we all looked out our right. And he said, Hey, you see what that is? You see what it is? It's a funeral home. Yeah, it's a funeral home. You see what's next to the funeral home? See if I can make that a little bigger. Next to the funeral home, that blue building, that's a bar. That's a pub. That's exactly what that is. The name of that bar is Chenet. It looks like sin E, but in Gaelic, it's Shanae. And the bus driver told us what that means. Do you know what that means? It means all done. All done. He said, so that's what life is like in Ireland. You live your life, and then you die, and they take you to the funeral home, and your friends go next door and get drunk, because you're all done. That's the most hopeless thing I've ever seen. Christians know that when we die, we are not all done. Which means we live every day with purpose and meaning as God works in us to bring us home to Him. That's our hope and that's what we want to grow stronger in our lives. Let's pray about that. Would you pray with me please? 
O Lord our God, we are so thankful that you give us the hope of heaven. But even more, Father, we're thankful that you are working in us and through us to bring us to you. And that you are walking with us, created, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. For doing and being and changing all the things that we must so that we can be fitted for heavenly service before you. This is our hope. We ask, Father, that you work in us to bring us home to you. It's in Christ that we pray and amen. You've listened so patiently. I appreciate it so very much. If you're going to sing with the songbook, you probably should find one of those about right now. What an appropriate place then for us to end our thinking about hope, to extend the invitation of Jesus Christ to come and be filled with hope, to come and have the hope of heaven, but not just pie in the sky by and by, but that God will work in your life right now to wash away your sins in the water of baptism, Acts 22, 16. To build you up with His people. He'll give you His word that will strengthen and encourage you. God will be with you as you make this walk from earth to heaven. If you are a Christian, I'd guess on a Friday night most of you are. Maybe somehow you're not serving the Lord at the level that you need to be. Could we help you? Particularly if you need to take some sins out of your life that are sucking the hope out of you. Because you know that God is not doing those things and God is not pleased with those things. God's working right now, isn't He? His Word's bringing conviction as you want to turn away from those things and turn back to the Lord. Could we help you? Maybe, maybe you're just feeling hopeless and you just need your brothers and sisters in Christ to put their arms around you and fill you with love and encouragement and hope. And we can do that too. Can we help you have the hope of the gospel growing in hope tonight. Make your way right down front while we stand, while we sing.